Well, if you would open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Now, if you're not familiar, we do have a Calvary Chapel San Diego app, and you can easily download that right now. Just go to the App Store. And we have the notes uh, at the top right button. It just says Pastor's Notes, and you're able to get all the verses. Not all of them we put up on the screen, but many of them. But we definitely teach verse by verse, so you definitely want to uh, have the scriptures in front of you. And Lord, we ask now by your gracious, gracious hand, give us ears to hear all that your spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. Well, last week we ended with verse 11, but I'd like to go back to verse 9 and relook at the baptism of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, they were confessing their sins coming out of the water of baptism. And um, they were making it clear that they were repenting, preparing their hearts for the Messiah. And why was this? Because Jesus is identifying with us. We're going to discover later on he hung on the cross. And the Bible says the soul that sins shall die. Jesus never sinned, but he did die. And you say, well, how is this possible? Well, the sin from the first sin of Adam to the last sin committed. We all put Christ to death. It wasn't the Jews it wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the Italians. You and I, our sins that were put upon Jesus, put him to death. And so Jesus in baptism is there for us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. And I of our well-being upon him and by his stripes. The other thing is, is this, this is a unique moment. Heavens open. Jesus comes out of the waters of the baptisms. The heavens open. God is going to speak. And you would think that if you could get a little glimpse in heaven, we would be blinded and it would be powerful and it would be gold and, and I don't know what to see, host of angels. It would be this incredibly powerful, majestic moment. The heavens open and a dove. <laughs> Just like today, you, you can see them all over the place. It's not anything spectacular. A matter of fact, doves were used for the poor people who couldn't afford a lamb sacrifice. That was a common sight.
really no great value. But yet, this was the majestic, almighty power of God coming in such a gentle creature. You know, the thing with doves, it's, you know, it's, you would think a lion, you know, that would make sense. Uh, oh, my, you know, the, 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 would later we see that. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That would, that makes sense. And you can't scare a lion as easy as you can a dove. As a matter of fact, if you try to feed it, some seed and cup will probably fly away. But yet if you have a very calm spirit and you're... Anyway, um, you, you can put some seed and somehow very gently they can, you can get them to feed. And you, you say, well, I, I just can't get this. Well, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 makes it clear, guys. It's, it's not the wise man that can glory in his wisdom. It's not the mighty man that can glory in his might. It's not the rich man that can glory in this. But those on planet Earth who can glory before God, it's not the rich, it's not the mighty. Who, who is it? It's the one who understands and knows him. Do you remember that story of Elijah? All he had in his mind was this view of God the Almighty. And the whole nation was following Baal. And he finally took on all the Baal prophets and worship leaders, hundreds of them. They met him on Mount Carmel. And he said, whoever is bring the sacrifice and those bell worshipers, man, they worked hard and cut themselves and cried out, exhausted themselves, but no fire came. And Elijah got buckets of water and dumped it all over the thing. So no freak spark, no questionable experience, but the power of God came and just licked up even the dirt as well as the sacrifice. And Elijah thought, I'm going to go now to King Ahab and Jezebel and they'll know now and they'll repent. And what happened? They got there and they were doubling down, going to kill Elijah. And Elijah just went in the wilderness and just laid down and said, God, if you have any love for me at all, I will die right now. And God fed him and gave him some drink. And he finally got a little revived. And he ran where? To Mount Sinai. Where God met Moses and smoke came down on the mountain. People couldn't get close to the mountain unless they died. And, and God gave the Ten Commandments. It was a mountain of fire. It was a powerful place. And so Elijah went to that place. And he was in that cave. And and. and And what happened? In 1 Kings 19, it, it tells us, first of all, there was this incredibly strong wind. And it was powerful and boulders were flying. And it was just an, a massive moment. And God didn't speak in that. Hmm, a little surprised. But then what happened next? 
an earthquake happened. And again, everything's shaking and moving and it was powerful. And God wasn't in that either. Bush, fire, powerful, fire. Yes, it's going to be. And God comes with this blazing fire. And God wasn't in that either. And then there was just this little gentle breeze could barely be felt. And in that was the word of God speaking. And he covered himself up for he was in the powerful presence of God and he fell to the ground and, and, and God began to speak to him. We, we see this. This is consistent. Jesus came as just a carpenter. He didn't come as the a Samson. <laughs> he didn't come as the greatest ruling general of the kingdom. He came to Nazareth, a place that was had a bad reputation, and he was just a simple guy. Interesting, Jesus gave us one description of himself. We do not know what his hair looked like or the color of his skin or how tall. We, we have no picture why Paul later says, we used to know Christ according to the flesh, but now we know him no longer. It doesn't help us to picture him according to the flesh and humanity. He now is the King of kings, Lord of lords, sitting at the right hand of God, the Father. But he gives us one description in Matthew 11. He says all those who are weary and heavy laden can come to him and Take his yoke upon them, and what will they find? They'll discover that he's gentle and lowly of heart. And that in his presence, we can find a rest for our souls. There's the one description Jesus gives of himself. I'm gentle and lowly of heart, like a dove, a restful, peaceful creature. And in his presence, you can find a rest for your soul. We want the power. I had a lady the other day saying, oh, pastor, I wish we saw the power of God's spirit where the dead are raised and the blind see and, and, and so forth. And I said, yeah, that's, that's always cool, you know. But then I, I thought about it again and, and just thought, you know, God's preferred way is the dove. Not the giant eagle. Arr, arr, powerful eagle. We love the eagle. I don't think anybody has a duck on their flag. Or a dove on their flag. But they got an eagle. They got a lion. They got a bear. That's what represents our country. But God is, is, is making a clear statement Yes, when I move in a powerful way, my nature remains. The power of God's Holy Spirit came upon Jesus according to the flesh at this moment. And what was discovered? He was gentle and lowly of heart. And we find the power of God's Spirit. Next thing we discover is the voice 
from heaven. It wasn't the voice of an angel. It wasn't Gabriel or Michael. It wasn't a prophet coming up like Nathaniel. It was the Father himself. Now, I personally have thought a lot about this. Jesus was a man like you and I had no advantages. That's just so abundantly clear. When Satan tempted Jesus, he tried to undo that. He tried to basically say, you know, turn this rock into bread and so forth. Show yourself uh, this powerful being that doesn't need to be like mere man. You're starving to death. You can solve that problem. But Jesus remained even after 40 days of exhaustion and hunger and thirst. He still did not do anything that a man, an ordinary man, couldn't do. Thus, he could continue to be our substitute as man. And so that makes me think that in Jesus' 30 years, he never heard the heavens opened up. And the Father speaking. I think Jesus, like you and I, had to wrestle through a lot of the things that we wrestle with. Doubt at times. Fears at times. Jesus was a man of as we are. And so this was no doubt the first time. I believe that Jesus heard the Father speak to him, especially in a supernatural, majestic way. And, and he is speaking this powerful affirmation. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Just let's stop here and just take a note of this. Jesus at this point would just been a good carpenter. No sermons, no miracles. But yet, the Father was pleased, greatly pleased in Him. He is wanting to say, this is my boy. I want everybody to know, this is my son. And yes, he's just been a simple little carpenter in an unknown place of Nazareth. Yes, he's not done anything spectacular in his lifetime. A matter of fact, he's had a very rough first 30 years. Very, very rough. Oldest son, considered, lack of better words, a bastard. That's what the Pharisees accused him of being. He had his half-brothers and sisters that he was having to raise because Joseph, an elderly man, probably had died early on and Jesus was having to be the dad and, and, and be the support for Mary and be the provider for the family. It was a very hard thing for him with so many brothers and sisters after he was born through Mary and Joseph. And on top of that, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of encouragement for Jesus. There weren't a lot of people wanting to identify with him. We're going to find in, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus starts his ministries, his own brothers violently don't believe in him. They were trying to coax him into going up openly at the first feast because they were waiting to kill him. 
And they knew that. They were literally trying to lead Jesus into an ambush where they were waiting to kill him. That's how hard his brother's hearts were towards him. And so Jesus had it difficult, but here we we see how important it was for Jesus to hear from his father. You are my precious boy. And you know what? You're going to start preaching great sermons. You're going to start doing wonderful miracles. But understand, those things aren't what make me proud of you. I'm already proud of you because of the person you are. This is so important, especially in our relationship with God. The greatest work God is doing is in you, not through you. Remember Balaam? God worked through his donkey. Remember Balaam? Jude tells us he's in hell. He was a wicked man, but yet he prophesied powerfully and every word he spoke was from God, even though he himself wasn't right with God. God used him like his own donkey and spoke through him. Many will come in that day and say, but, but, but Lord, you got to let me to heaven. I prophesied in your name. I did miracles in your name. And the father doesn't say, no, you didn't. Yes, he did. No, you didn't. Yes, he did. Yeah, you did. You did prophesy in my name. You did do miracles in my name. The power of God's spirit went through you, but yet you yourself were not a person living a life in the spirit. You were living according to your own will, your own fleshliness, and you were being super spiritual. I I won't take that away from you. But in character, you weren't walking in the fruit and the purity and the will of God. And that's what I'm grading here. Not the powerful things that went through you, but the character that you are living accordingly. And that this is such an important thing because so many times people can say, but, you know, I'm not living for God the way I should, but I led people to Christ. Well, I'm not living for God as I should, but man, I never miss a church service. I'm not living for God as I should, but these fruitful, powerful things are happening. And understand, yes. God, for his own sovereign reasons, will work through people that are not right with him. And even though it's wonderful for God to work and do powerful things through our life, it cannot replace the character of walking in the spirit and being a man of the spirit. Well, I just want to take a moment, as I did last week. The father has a unique Role in the kids' lives. There's a book called Wild of Heart, and, and, and he was a psychologist for many years with uh, um, Dobson. Dobson, there we go. With Dobson, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and anyway, he, he concluded by, by saying that every son at some point has to hear from his dad, you're doing good. And you're going to make it. If you keep doing what you're doing, you will be successful. And every daughter has to hear from her dad. You're beautiful. And if you don't, you're going to put them in a place where they're going to, in a very unhealthy way, try to find this affirmation. 
which leads us to say that 50% of us were raised in broken homes. And probably our parents, I know my parents did not have the tools to really raise us right or to speak into our life. Many of you are from broken homes. I am. My dad took off when I was about uh, 12. And uh, only a spotty few times did uh, I see him the rest of my life. And so I, I, I know that hurt. I know that that need. But let me tell you this. The Bible says God is the father to the fatherless. And God the Father will speak this into your life. But just stop the madness. And you as parents now realize that you need to have that relationship with your kids in which you have those moments, not of flattery, but of genuine things that you can affirm in their lives to say that kind of diligence, that kind of honesty, being that kind of friend, being that kind of son to your mother, being that kind of brother, it's going to cause you to be successful. You are a man that is going to do well. And I can't wait to see all that God does through your life. It's a powerful thing, a necessary thing that God wants to do through all of us. But if that is lacking in your life, I'm sorry. We, a lot of us go through life wounded, never getting the full circle from our parents. And again, have mercy on them. They have all the life. And there was a moment right now somebody is speaking into your life to say, let go another generation. You can stop it. Although you didn't receive it, you can give it. Right? And what did that do with Jesus? It, it Now, what happens is the, the child wants to live up to the expectation of those words from the father. So often, especially in those teen years, it can become so adversarial. And the child isn't obeying in so many ways that all you can do is get in this rut of just pounding on them on all the things they're doing wrong. And, and guys, people don't change from the negative. We can repent from the negative, but we won't change. It's got to be clear. This needs to stop, but this is what you need to be doing. This is what it looks like. And this is what the father did. Jesus, you are the kind of son that pleases his father. Now, what's going to do it in a human sense, in a, in a human way? Jesus was 100% man. What's that going to do in him? He's going to be working on positive energy. He's going to be not trying to prove his dad wrong. You said I'm a loser. You said that I'm not going to make it. You said that I'm not disciplined enough, you know, and now I'm out trying to prove my dad wrong. And of course, we fell all the time. So there's my dad saying, I told you. And it's just harder to get up each time, isn't it? But Jesus is out with this positive energy saying, I please the Father. And you know what I want to do? I want to. In a human sense, again, uh, Jesus was 100% man as 100% God. And he actually later says in John 8, 29, he said, For 
For I always do please my Father. Jesus made it clear, that's me. And of course, all the things that the Father says to his Son, the Father says to us. Isn't that cool? That we are in Christ. And being in Christ means all the things of Christ are for us, whether it's his power or his love. And in Matthew 25, one day the father is going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done servant who did miracles. Not well done servant who, you know, uh, preached great sermons. But well done, you are just faithful. You just follow me. Now enter into the joy of my kingdom. Paul says, it's what... When I stand before God, that's just that one issue. Was I faithful? Was I faithful? Yes, I fell. The righteous man falls seven times, but I was faithful to trust his mercy and grace and get up and get going. Well, in verse 12 here today, immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness, tempted and there was wild beasts there. And the angels came to minister him, we find in the gospel here of Mark. Jesus was led by the Spirit, drove him into a time of wilderness, into, if you would, the hands of Satan to pound on him. Let me just simply ask you this question, Christians. Do you have a clear doctrine, teachings from the Bible on trials? It's one of the things we do in our Christian foundation class, our strong foundation class. We do a whole. You're going to be in trials, not because you're weak or God's punishing you or you're sinning and God's spanking you. No. We, we understand that it is the will of God for every believer in his lifetime to go through deep, deep valleys. Like Paul said, I was pushed above measure, beyond strength, despairing of life itself, that I would learn not to trust in myself, but in God. And he said that at the end of his life, he was still going through trials to learn to trust in God in a way he hadn't trusted in God before. We have an entire book of the Bible telling us what it looks like when we don't have a clear doctrine of trials. The book of Job. They didn't have that doctrine. And not having that doctrine, Job, did. he, he did. He's just like, I don't this world naked, I go out, blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Whatever God wants to bring, he's bringing good. He's brought good to me. It's okay if God brings trials on me. I, 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 I can't complain. So he went, he, he, he sort of, it was foggy to him, but he hung in there. But his wife's like, just curse God and die. Let God just curse him and you won't be right with him, but at least he'll just finish you off and you won't be laying around here with boils all over your body and grieving over the death of all your kids. And then, of course, his friends come up. They didn't understand. There's something wrong with you, Job. There's some secret sin. There's some obvious and there's something you're unwilling to tell us. Tell us, admit it to us, you know. 
And, and he wouldn't tell them. And they're like, well, that's your problem. You're full of pride and you won't, you're not willing to be honest with your weaknesses. And we come at the end going, they just did not understand that there's moments where God gives Satan permission, takes the hedge down, lengthens the chain that he has Satan upon and to attack you in a way that you've never been attacked before. And it's spiritual. And, and, there, and if you're trying to figure out human reasons and human answers to go through this, you just want to make sure you're not like Job's wife all bitter at God. You want to make sure you're not like Job's friends accusing people. You want to make sure that you're better than Job. Job got rebuked by God too, by him trying to figure out some human answer. And God just finally says, no, it's not a human thing you're going through. It's a spiritual attack. Peter writes this, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So, guys, hang in there. James says, once we've gone through those temptations and trials, there waits for us a crown of life. There's a special crown. There's a special crown for those who have walked in Christ long enough where you really are somebody that, that Satan discusses with God. Have you observed my servant so-and-so? That's a, that's a pretty powerful thing when the devil himself uh, is taking notice of you. That means you're being incredibly blessed and fruitful. In 1 Peter 1, it says, in verse 6 through 8, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom have you not seen, but you love, Though now you do not see him yet believing, rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. See, that's the key. In the midst of it, saying, thank you, Lord. In the midst of it, letting the trial have its perfect work, going, God, I, I, I thank you. And maybe you, you haven't been doing perfectly. And you're like, Lord, if you're spanking me, thank you. If this is just living on planet earth from hardships from Adam and Eve sinning and that's just sort of what man goes through Christian or not Christian we go through hard times then I, I praise your name and if it's the devil Lord just give me grace I praise you that that you're going to get me through this trial and and even even whether it's it's something that I'm getting spanked for or something that just happens because we're on planet earth and a sinful planet or because of Satan attacking. I don't know what it is, but I know that you have a plan to turn all this around for good and to increase my faith and my character and, and to cause my life to be a pure, holy life for you and to rejoice in those trials, showing that faith. And just to let you know, you barely survive it. <laughs> I mean, I just want you to understand, and it should be built into your doctrine, that, that when 
You are attacked. It, it is something that will ravage your life. It will take you down to a, a depth you didn't know existed. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells the church of Ephesus, in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be will, able to withstand notice against the wiles of the devil. Don't, you don't wrestle in his flesh and blood. This is a spiritual thing happening. But against powers and rulers of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And then he says, having done all to stand in that evil day from the wiles of the devil... Having done everything you can, you stand. That's it. No victory. <laughs> no pot of gold at the end of that trial rainbow. It's just you're, you're alive and you're walking in faith. Just like Job, Satan didn't still his faith in God. Didn't cause his heart to be bitter, didn't cause him to curse God and say, well, if this is the way God's going to treat his children, well, I just won't follow him. If there is a God, then I wouldn't be experiencing these hard times. If God is really all powerful and really loved me, then why am I suffering to this extent? You see, you need to study the Bible from the beginning to the end. There's a clear doctrine of trials and Jesus went to these trials for us. This is the key in Hebrews 2. In verse 17 to 18, he tells us this. Jesus went through incredible trials, 40 days by Satan himself pounding him over and over again for 40 days. And in Matthew and Luke, we see the last bit of Jesus finally got a position. He's like, it was 40 days. Hebrews 2 17, it says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Listen to this verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus knows personally how it, you can get pushed to the nth degree in whatever area, anger, lust, pride, greed, fear, Whatever it is, he's been pushed right to the nth degree more than any of us ever have. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, he continues on this point in saying, seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus is the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Misery loves company. <laughs> and, the, and the Lord is saying, you know what? I, I am not self-righteously going, how dare you? How could you? I can't even believe. I never even, I'm so holy, I never even got tempted in that way. <laughs> I never lusted in my life. I never had one thought of greediness. That's not the Lord we're coming to. We're coming to one who said, I was in human flesh for 30 years. I went through so much suffering. My entire life, a man according with grief and sorrow, it says they looked upon him as if God had smitten him, like God particularly hates you. And then he went through every kind of 
suffering and temptation so he can now be this kind and merciful high priest to just say, got it. You're not going to be in human flesh very long. <laughs> Life is just a vapor of time. Just hang in there, you know, for this very little bit of time compared to eternity that you're living in. I'm sorry that you're having to suffer, but it's going to produce a purified gold of faith in your life. Well, in verse 14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All of human history comes down to two points. Before Jesus and after Jesus, our dating system, 2017 right now, is because it's been 2017 years since Christ came. Before that, we have BC, going back before Christ and after Christ. People can try to change that now. We see people trying to rewrite history, saying, oh, it's ADE, before the common era. You're like, what's the common era? Well, we don't know what that is, but I'm sure there's one there, just not Jesus. No, it's clear historical fact. And uh, John was the final prophet before the coming of Jesus. And after he was put in prison, it started a complete new age, no longer the Old Testament, but the New Testament. And he came preaching now the kingdom of God at the perfect time was fulfilled. Well, I'm going to stop there today and we're going to pick up next week on this same passage. And Lord, we come before you now and we ask that our hearts would be greatly encouraged and strengthened. That you, Lord, right now are speaking into our lives the truth that will set us free. And we know there's some right now here today that, that need a healing, that need a touch of healing from you. And we just ask right now that they can cry out. If you're here today and, and you're hurting, you're going, man, I am just right now just struggling so much. I've been so angry at God, so angry at man. I've, I've been going through the difficulties and blaming everybody and letting Satan condemn me and beat me up, saying I deserve all of this difficulty. Just come right now and just say, God, I, I understand that those who are spiritual can spiritually appraise all these things. And I ask in Jesus' name right now that I can appraise these things correctly, realizing it's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the wiles of the devil, an evil day he's trying to bring to, to take away my faith, to take away my joy, why you are using this to cause me to be a deeper and more profound human being and Christian, more fruitful than I've ever been. Lord, help me to go through these things with joy and faith, thanking you even in the midst of the fiery, fiery trials. And Lord, forgive me if I've forgotten that you are the gentle dove, that you are in power, but it's not the giant eagle or the bear or the lion. It's the little dove coming in great power. 
And Lord, we come right now just to, to say, Lord, do a deeper work in us today. Wash us in the word and plant your word within us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.